Yeah, well, good morning, guys. So guess what? We're going to talk about sports in church this morning. All right? Some of you guys are probably like, yes, it's my week. Finally, been waiting on this one. Some of you are like, ah, sports. Yay. Now, it won't be that bad. Um, and honestly, if sport ball is not your thing, then let me, you don't have to know all the nuances of sports. You don't have to know all the rules and all that stuff. If you get that there's two teams that play and one team wins, then you're going to be golden. Right? That's, that's all you need. So like the, uh, the college football national championships tomorrow night, right? And it's, it's Georgia and Alabama. And when I was preparing this message, I was pretty excited, right? For me, my two favorite teams, Kentucky football, Michigan football. So if Michigan would have won last weekend, they would be playing in the national championship this weekend. They didn't. Wasn't even close. They lost by a lot. That's fine. Not a big deal. Kentucky still, they had their bowl game. They pulled it out. They won. So great game there. I really got to, uh, really got to enjoy that, right? So college football is on its way out. We got NFL playoffs starting next weekend. And I know there's a lot of NFL fans in here, right? And I know this because you guys wear your jerseys every morning to, to Sunday service, right? Like I've seen Steelers. I've seen the Bears, Patriots. Cincinnati Bengals, but the one I see more than any other team, Green Bay Packers. There are so many of you stinking Green Bay Packers fans here. I, like, I don't get it. Like, typically when you like a team, it's a regional thing, right? So like Cincinnati would make sense to me, but Green Bay's in Wisconsin. We're not that close. I mean, short of, you know, like the Greenwalds or something who has some family connections there, I, I, I don't get it. Why do you like the Packers? But uh, this, uh, this past fall, we were in a small group with um, we were Kurt and Missy Hall's small group, and they're big, big Green Bay Packers fans, right? And being that how, um, I guess, Packers are centrally located in the United States, they always had the 4 o'clock game. Well, for us, our small group was at 5 on Sundays. So we, you know, we always knew that when we went to Kurt and Missy's house, we are going to be watching a little bit of the game. So, we, you know, you roll in just a couple minutes before and, and, you know, you're like walking into the games on the TV there, hanging on the wall, and you're like taking off your shoes, but at the same time you're trying to lean in and see what the score is, right? Like, how, how's the game going? And, you know, Kurt will meet you at the door, and it's, it's never a, hey, buddy, how you doing? Or, it's not, oh, man, the food smells great, right? It's, what are you, what's the score? What's, what's the, how's the game, right? That sort of thing. And if, you, if you've been in a small group, you know that you always have some kind of some kind of meal together, right? So um, from, say, 5 to 5.30, that would be our time to kind of eat. We would watch the game. We would chit-chat amongst each other, just kind of reconnect for the week. And 5.30 comes. It's, you know, we, start a, we start our group discussion, but then it's halftime. So it, it times out really good. So you can turn the game off, go right into the, to the group discussion, and then we come out of it. And typically when we finish, it's, there's just a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter, so what do you think? What's the score? What's the score? Hey, turn, turn it on. If it didn't happen, you know, if there was still a little bit of uh, trailing discussion or something like that, you might see a couple cell phones come out and people, you know. Like, I'll, I'll do it for Kurt. I'll be like, look, at, I'll give him a look. I don't want to turn that on, do I? I'm like, no, we don't, we don't watch that. So what's the score? What do you, have you ever thought about what it means when you ask what's the score? Like, what are, you, what are you really trying to ask there? How are they doing? What's going on right now in their situation? 
At this moment in time, are they doing well? Are they not? How long has it been since you've asked someone what the score is? And I'm not talking about a game. I mean them. How long has it been since you've asked someone how they're doing? How long has it been since someone's asked you how you're doing? Now, I'm not talking about a greeting or anything that you hear, maybe you heard when you walk in. I mean, truly, how are you doing? We just finished up a couple of the hardest years for people ever, uh, emotionally, financially, socially. And just the other day, Angie and I were watching the news, and uh, they had like the top 21 or the top headlines, whatever, of the year 2021, right? Like the year in review. And just listen to the list of what we saw. The list included the withdrawal from Afghanistan. We had Hurricane Ida that hit Louisiana. Had the wildfires out west. Various social injustices, the tornadoes that just came through the Midwest and went into Kentucky. Uh, We had inflation that's continued to rise. We got gas prices that are doubling. And on top of all that, COVID's still here, right? So it's been a lot. Now, this was local news. Like, this wasn't Fox, this wasn't CNN or NBC, any of that. Like, believe me, I, I get the, the media. Like, as much as they are about fo- informing the news, they're also still a business, right? So they're going to push certain headlines and certain topics because it brings in the, the clicks and the likes and the, you know, the generation of money and all that stuff. And, of course, there's always them trying to get people to believe a certain way as well, Right? But aside from them putting their own spin on all this stuff, it's still a lot. So it's no wonder people have had a bad year, right? If you caught Pastor Joe's end-of-the-year end of uh, message the other day, he, he talked about putting 2021 behind us and moving forward into 2022. Now, I, I'm not at all taking anything away from his message. I, I completely agree with it. But I think for some of us, it's going to be a little harder, right? For some of us, it's... Uh, going to take a little bit longer. I mean, I just rattled off a list of all kinds of things that plagued the nation over the past year, and I didn't even touch anything that might have affected you individually, right? Maybe you had a health diagnosis that, and the answer didn't come back all that good, and you're a little bit scared. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost a family member, and you're still grieving, Maybe you're still struggling with that same sin that you have for so long and it just seems to never go away. Maybe you've just kind of dealing with all these things that you just can't really let go, but at the same time, you're, you're holding on, right? You're holding on and you're, you're faking it. You're putting a little smile out there. You're like, oh, no, it's fine. You're, you're trying to pretend and put on a happy face for your family. But look, listen, I need you to hear this, okay? It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act like nothing is going on in your life. You have to continue going through life and pain and pretending it's just not there. And you know, as, as Christians, I think a lot of times when we, we think about, oh, like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I, gotta, I gotta pretend like everything is great because you know, I, I can't misre- misrepresent what I'm representing, right? God, God's all loving, all, all, all knowing. He always blesses me. So somebody comes and asks me, he's like, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm great. I'm blessed. God loves me. Perfect, perfect life. Perfect job, perfect, perfect spouse, perfect kids, perfect everything. It's, it's just perfect. Listen, it's okay. If you're not okay, it's okay. Do you know that even Jesus had moments of not being okay? 
We're going to look at some scripture in Matthew 26. And just to give you a little timeline, this, is, this was right before um, Jesus was going to be crucified. Like he had just had the Last Supper with his disciples. He kind of told them that, hey, I'm getting ready to be betrayed. He told Peter, I'm, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. And they had just left, and they went up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's where we'll pick up reading in verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed his head, bowed his uh, face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, can you watch with me even an hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you'll not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer's here. And then, of course, they came and arrested him, and he was later crucified. Jesus wasn't okay. In verse 38, he says, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Three times he prays to God saying, Can this cup just pass? Can it just pass me by? Like, isn't there another way? Can this responsibility be taken from me? He was about to take on the sins of everyone. Take on that punishment for us. So he's grieved. He's hurting. He's maybe even a little bit scared. I don't know. But he says that I'm grieved to the point of death. And notice that in any of that, he didn't pretend like nothing was wrong. He's surrounded by his friends. He's surrounded by Peter and James and John. And he's, he's telling them what's going on and how he's feeling. He says, I'm so overwhelmed. I feel like dying. Listen, if you're not okay, it's okay. But it's time to start hiding that pain and get help. It's it's time to tell someone and to stop bawling that up and thinking that it'll just pass and everything will be all right. Listen, if this isn't you, if you're okay, then it's great. But there's a role for you as well, right? If we're going to be a church community, then we've got to embrace that word community. If someone's hurting, we've got to help them. We've got to step in because we're all going to be hurting, right? If someone stumbles and falls, we've got to help pick them back up. Because if we're truly going to leave 2021 behind and move into 2022, then we're going to need all of us. And we can't leave people back. Right? So if someone stumbles and falls, we all got to step in to help pick up. We're going to have to be more proactive and less reactive. What do I mean by that? Well, reactive is moving to help someone, maybe it's something that's bad, like, and it's already happened, right? Proactive is working to prevent the bad from ever happening to begin with. And that's what I want you to hear, right? I mean, it's always been preached here that outreach is a, is a major focus of this church, and it is. I mean, you guys have given wonderfully your time, your service, your, your finances to give back to this community. And it, I mean, just think, we had, um, back in October, we had the Halloween party where 
give people in the community an opportunity to come and have a place for their family to, to just gather and be together. In November, we gave out food to families. In December, we gave out 25 beds to kids who didn't have beds already. Right? Maybe they were sharing with siblings or they were sleeping on the couch or the floor. And it was your giving that allowed people to have these beds. And there's more that happens on top of that throughout the rest of the year. I just named the third quarter or the fourth quarter of that. Right? There's various organizations that the church gives to throughout the year. And this is all because of you. But what I worry is that sometimes when we're looking out and we're trying to scan and see where we can make big impacts, right? Oh, man, let's, let's look over there. You know, we could go meet that. Yep. I wonder if when we're scanning that sometimes we miss what's right in front of us. I wonder if sometimes what's right in front of us is someone we're close to and they're hurting. Maybe that's your spouse or your kids. Maybe it's the person sitting six chairs from you right now on the road that you're in. I don't know, but at some point, there's people in our lives that are hurting. We need to be those people to step up and say, how are you doing? So I need to tell you guys a little bit about my wife. Um, I need to brag on her because, man, she notices people. Like, and I'm not just saying this because she's my wife. I truly think she's one of the best people to just reach out to people, you know? Um, you wouldn't believe the amount of times that she'll come home and she'll like, have picked up some chocolate or some flowers a little trinket, some coffee, whatever, just something small. And she'd be like, yeah, I bought this. Um, so-and-so, I think, was having a bad day today, so I'm going to take it to them tomorrow. And that's what she'll do. The next day, she'll go find them. It's like, hey, I just noticed you didn't seem to be doing too well yesterday. Hey, you know, here, take this. And, you know, spend a buck on a candy bar or something. But this whole thing is just for her to say, I noticed you. I saw that you were in some kind of pain. I'm just reaching out. I'm trying to ask you, are you okay? And it's her opportunity to connect, right? See, relationships that we have, they're essential. And when you can reach out like that, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, we were at a concert back in October, and it was an evening concert on a Saturday, and there were three football games that I really wanted to watch. Um, couldn't watch them, obviously, but still have my app on my phone. I can still keep up with the scores. Uh, three games that I really wanted to watch. You had Kentucky playing LSU at the time. LSU was number 10 in the nation. It was going to be a good game, right? You had Michigan, who was playing Nebraska. Of course, you know, I've told you all about Michigan and Kentucky. I'm a fan. But the third game was Alabama. They were playing Texas A&M. Now, if you don't follow sports, it's fine. Alabama in college football is typically the best team every year, in and out. They, they think they're going to win it all, and they usually do. They, they've just built a tremendous program there. They're just a good football team, right? So you either love Alabama or you hate Alabama, right? So we're watching these games, and all, all three of these games are close, right? Like, by the end of it, all three games are, are decided by three points. And again, Alabama's number one, and they're playing Texas A&M, who's not even ranked, right? So Kentucky ends up winning their game, which was great. Michigan won their game, and the last one going was the Alabama-Texas A&M game. Well, I noticed about halfway through the concert... Uh, this, this older gentleman in front of me, he was kind of doing the same thing. He, I, he'd occasionally raise it up, and he's looking at the score. He's checking it, and he's, he's actually looking at the Alabama score. And the game goes on, and he's just, every now and then, he'll look it up, and you just kind of see him do something like this, right? Well, there's just a few minutes left in the game, and it's super close, on the, right? And I see him raise his phone, and it's just a white screen. He's like... So he, you know, shuts down the app and opens it back up, and again, a white screen. I don't know if he lost service. I don't know if the app stopped working. 
whatever. But he was getting really frustrated because it's just a few seconds left in his game and he can't figure out what's going on. So he's like nudging his wife and he's pointing and he, you can see the frustration, right? Well, the game ends up ending and he didn't get to see it. And I've still got my phone pulled up. And it, of course, the Alabama score is there. And you know, Texas A&M had just beat Alabama. They just upset them. Huge, huge upset. Big underdog game there. And so I had a score up and I kind of had my phone and I just kind of slid it down over his shoulder. It kind of come this way and He's like, you know, jump back and he didn't even realize what was happening. He looks at his phone and, or looks at my phone and he sees the score and man, he is just happy, right? Like he is grinning ear to ear. He's getting all animated. He is just talking, turning around, talking to him. I don't have a clue what he's saying because I can't hear anything because of the concert. But he is so happy to see that his team just won and had just upset the number one team in the nation. He just wanted to know the score. And I was able to give that to him, right? But what is it about those upset games? What is it about those, those really close games that catch our attention? You know, what, uh, why are they different? Like, if you, were, uh, if, if you were to turn the TV on and say your team was up by 30, up by 40, are you still going to watch that game with that same care and intensity and attention that you would if it was a close, tight game? No. Maybe it's just something that plays in the background now. So you're, oh, cool, we're, we're winning. I'll leave it on, but I'm going to go clean. I'm going to go read a book, talk to whoever on the phone. It's just something that's in the background. You're, you're, you're just half paying attention to it. See, I think stuff like that's a trap. I think sometimes we look and we, we see on the surface, yeah, they're winning by 30, but what we don't know is if we're not really paying attention, maybe they're playing a really bad team and they should be winning by 60. Maybe they just had a lot of lucky calls go their way. Maybe they've had a bunch of broken plays that have just accidentally worked out for them, but truly the team is not playing well. What if we treat people that way? We just glance over, and it looks like they're winning, but really they're not. They're struggling because we're not taking the time and the attention to look and really see what's going on in their lives. What about the other way? What if you, you know, rush home to turn the TV on and, you see your team's losing by 30, 40. You still keep it on and watch? Or is it, ugh, losing? 30, God, terrible, team's awful. Just turn the channel, turn the TV off, throw the remote, whatever. I think sometimes we see people that are struggling and we're like, man, that could be messy. I don't want to get involved with that. I'm just going just to check out there. I think for a lot of us, we don't reach out because of fear. Or maybe even a little selfishness. Um, We've got to keep in mind that when we do reach out to these people, it's not about us, right? It's not about our, our accept, their acceptance of us or the rejection of us or how we might feel embarrassed by reaching out, but it's about the person we're actually reaching out to. And I think for some of us, too, that we may not feel equipped to actually reach out. Like if we do say, hey, hey, are you doing? Are you Okay. And they tell us no and tell us why. And then we're like, oh, wait, what do I do now? I don't, I, I don't know how to fix this. Listen, it's not your job to fix it. We tell people in marriage counseling that, and, and it's typically the guy, because the guy's just in a fix-it mindset, is that when your wife comes home and she's got a problem, you don't have to try to fix everything. Okay? You're like, oh, well, I broke a mower. Yeah, I can fix that. Let me go fix it. Broken sink, I can fix that. 
Now, your, your boss is being unfair to you. Or what you need to do, you need to tell them this, 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 and this, and go back. And that's and Sometimes your wife just wants you to sit down and listen. Sometimes she just wants you to hold her and say, man, I'm sorry you're going through this. She's always looking for, thing, for you to fix things. And this is the situation here. We can't actually fix people. The only people that can fix people are themselves or God. But we do have a role. And for us, it's just to be near. How many videos or movies or different things have you seen? Uh, maybe even experienced in real life. Like You see somebody, they're, they're a little bit sad or maybe they're going through some kind of uh, something in their life and they're sitting on the couch and you know, they're crying a little bit and then here comes the family dog. It runs in and jumps up on the couch with them. Right? Dog kind of curls in, lays their head on the lap and they just start to pet the dog. Hey, buddy. Then after just a couple minutes, you can see the tears start to dry up, right? A little smile comes over the face, and they start to feel better. What'd that dog do? He didn't talk to him. Dog didn't say anything. Dog didn't say, hey, it's all going to be okay. Dog didn't say, oh, I can fix that. Let's, you should just do this or that and the other. Dog's not doing anything but sitting there. But yet, our pets can feel our emotions, right? So they know when something's wrong. But all this dog did was go over and sit with somebody. Just being near can help people feel better. We recall back to uh, the passage I read earlier uh, about Jesus in, in the garden praying. What, what did he do, right? Yeah, he was surrounded by his disciples, but he asked for Peter, James, and John to go with him deeper to pray. So those were his three closest friends that he had, and he wanted them close to him. He wanted them with him in the middle of all this grief and everything. Again, he wasn't trying to hide anything. He wanted them with him to pray with him. We're going to look at another story in John. It's a familiar story, John chapter 11. It's about a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus has, um, he's got sisters, Mary and Martha, and they had sent a letter to Jesus saying, that, hey, Lazarus is sick. And can you come back and, and do something for us? Can you, can you help him? Well, Jesus was out of town, right? And when he finally gets the message, he doesn't just immediately turn around and come back. He actually delays us coming back. And he actually comes back, and it's four days after Lazarus has already died. And he's in the tomb. And in that culture, um, it's typically like a seven-day mourning period, right? So... Uh, they would be kind of halfway through that, right? So, like, the families showed up. You got different people in the town that are showing up. And they're all just kind of grieving with Mary and Martha with, of Lazarus' death. And uh, that, that's how we'll pick up and, and read this next, uh, next story. It says, starting in verse 20, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come in the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Well, come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. And the story would go on that Jesus would go to the tomb and he would actually bring Lazarus back to life and everyone was happy, right? But the last couple, or last verse there, that the passage we read, that's what I want to focus on. Jesus wept. In a lot of the English translations of the Bible, that's the shortest verse in the entire Bible, right? And we could truly do an entire message on those two words if we really wanted to. But what I want you to see is that the man who brought Lazarus back to life, like he, didn't, he didn't make excuses, right? And all of his ability and all of his power and his divine whatever, like he, you know, he had been doing miracles all over the region. He didn't just kind of say, ah, it's fine. I'm Jesus. Why are you crying? Like, I can just go resurrect him. Not a big deal. Relax. He didn't do that. What did he do? In their time of hurt, their time of need, time of grief, he sat down with them. He grieved as well. He cried with them. Though he could have easily just went and said, no, it's fine. He sat down with them. He took time to be near them. Right? Listen, Jesus loves you. He loves people. He became human to be with people. And if people were so important to him, then they got to be that important to us too. Right? We've got to take that on. If these relationships are so important to Jesus, then they've got to be that important to us. When I first started really getting to know Pastor Joe, we were out to eat uh, one evening, and I remember asking him, I was like, you know, just trying to make some kind of connection. I was like, hey, yeah, when you're not pastoring, what is it you like to do? I remember he said, just be with people. It doesn't really matter the activity. I just want to be with people. You know, the man who does falconry, driven his motorcycle over to the United States, has 8,000 dogs, he chose people, right? And I think we're so fortunate that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal, but, I mean, he's following after Jesus. He's modeling his life. We don't have Jesus here on earth to walk and, and to look at, but we've got people who are following his footsteps. So we watch them and we learn know how to do this stuff so we can do it too I know the heart of our pastors I know the heart of the staff that work here and despite how big their hearts are they're never going to be able to reach each person in here on an individual personal level they're never going to be able to reach everyone in Madison County on that personal level so being in community means we got to take part we got to step up and fill that gap when it's needed. We've got to be able to draw near to people. So as we close, I want to just invite you to your feet. Um, if, you've, if you've ever been that person who wasn't okay and no one came around, 
I want to apologize to you. If I have personally ever looked past you, looked through you, looked around you, and I'm sorry. But listen, when I fail and when we fail because of our humanity, that's when God steps in, right? He loves you. He cares about you more than me as a human ever could. When you're not okay and it feels like you're all alone and no one really cares anything about what you're going through, I promise you God cares. He cares about every little detail in your life. You know how I know that? Because I'm not a Green Bay Packers fan. But listen, I hope they win every single game they play. Because I know that Kurt and Missy Hall care about the Packers. And I care about Kurt and Missy Hall. I, don't, I am not a Penn State fan. But I hope Penn State wins every single game. Because I know that TJ and Jesse love Penn State. And I love TJ and Jesse. So if we can love like that, right? If we can take that mantle on, how much more can the God in heaven love us? In every little detail, the good and the bad of our lives, he just wants to take part of, right? He just wants to come in and give you that comfort. So what's the score? How are you doing? Now these people are here gathered to pray with you today. And if you're not okay, that's okay. But this is your opportunity to come and leave what you need to at the altar. This is your opportunity to leave 2021 behind you and let some comfort come into you from the people praying with you, from the God in heaven that just wants to meet you and be near. Come and pray.